Good morning, family. Thank you, Letitia, for doing a good Pastor Louis there. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> it's good to see you this morning and trust that you are just experiencing just God's moving, not only here in our midst, but in our nation. It was so privileged to pray yesterday with uh, thousands and thousands of fellow believers from all sorts of walks and, and, and paths to come together at the It's Time event and to pray together. And right there in the dust, we all knelt and just prayed and asked God for His moving in our nation. And I think it's appropriate to just that we agree with that in prayer also today and add our prayer to it. So I want to ask you, if you don't mind, we're going to sit now for a while. Can you stand? And I'm just going to pray a prayer, and I would love if you can agree with me in that prayer. And this prayer forms part of this weekend of us calling on the Lord for our nation and saying, Lord, uh, it's your word that is the final word over this nation. Amen. It's not what about others say. It's not the reports from any other person or groups or companies. It's your report, Lord, that we look for. And you have spoken over this nation that you have great plans for our nation. So let us stand together and trust the Lord in this time. Father, we thank you that as a people, we can come and thank you, first of all, for this beautiful nation with its beautiful people. Thank you, Lord, that you have placed this nation, you have called this nation, as you've done with others, Lord, to represent you, to show your beauty, to show your glory, and that you've invited us to, to live lives in your great generosity and in your grace. And Father, we pray that in this time in our nation, that your will be done, Lord. We know there's so many complexities. We know there's so many different things, so many people that come with such different experiences, but we thank you that in Jesus, we are one. What makes us one, Lord, ultimately is not that we're South Africans. It's not the flag. It's not our national anthem. It's you, Lord. And we want to proclaim that over this nation. That we are yours and this nation belongs to you. Have your way, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' name. And we all say... Amen. Amen. We've been having some good times and just fun over the last year, this year so far, at looking at what does it mean to be a follower of Christ, to be a disciple of Christ. And I trust that as we've been meditating, searching the Scriptures, that something in your own heart has become more and more clear at what it means for you to be a follower of Christ. I, I, I would hate that we've spent all this time and effort on this topic, and you walk away and it hasn't really changed you on the inside not because of what we said, but because of our understanding of the Scripture. And this morning, I want to take that journey on a little bit and talk about integrated living and tell a little bit of a story about what it means to live for Christ by using some examples right here from our own community about what integrated living is. But let me just describe to you this concept, first of all. It's a word we've developed as a just sort of internally started surfacing and popping up as we've been thinking about what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. I think actually Dr. Gerard Vormerans, the chairperson of our eldership, came up with this word first in a talk that I heard him give, and uh, this concept of integrated living. And I think integrated living, what it means is that you can see Jesus in all of my life, that there's not certain sections or portions of my life that shows Jesus, but others where you can't see Jesus. Earlier this year, we spoke about how 
The disciples' beliefs must be matched by the disciples' practice. Can you remember that? That our belief system and our practice has to line up with each other. In the first term, we spoke about that. In that time, somewhere along the line, I made this statement. I said, our faith can be very personal, but it can never be private. In that my faith, my, my believing in Jesus, my being a Christian is a very personal thing. It, it's a personal relationship I have with Jesus. It's my relationship with Jesus. It's, it's in that way very personal to me, but it cannot be private. And simply... We believe that if my life is given to Jesus, it will eventually become pretty evident to other people. Jesus said, you will know the tree by its fruit. Followers of Christ change. They become different than the world around them because of Jesus inside of them. How many of you would agree with me this morning that Jesus is different than any other person on this planet? He lived differently. When he was on earth, he was very different. And everything today that we experience, he's still different. He's still unique. He still stands out. Now, if that Jesus is inside of you, and you are being transformed into his image, can you make the conclusion? Can you draw the logical conclusion? You should therefore also become different. And that's just simply our faith. Our belief is that if Jesus is in me, it's going to become public at some point. It may take time, but it will become public. It will be seen if Jesus is real to me. We don't believe in a gospel that says, just give your heart to Jesus, pray the sinner's prayer, and then carry on living the life you want to. Your insurance is taken care of. We believe in a gospel that says, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to pray the sinner's prayer. Give my heart to Jesus. Be translated in an instant from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Become a co-heir with Christ. Be in inherited, forgiven, washed clean, pure by the blood of Jesus. But then every day subsequent, live that reality in my life. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. I seek Him all day, every day, in every part of my life. My life is about Him. It's not a status, a position I achieve. It is a journey that I'm walking very intentionally, seeking the Lord every day. Every day, Lord, what does it mean to be your follower? Not only so that I can follow Christ, but that through me he will be made known to this world. Through us as a community, Christ can be made known to this world. Through our stories, people will be arrested, their attention will be grabbed, their the imagination will be grabbed as they look and say, this is different, this is unusual, these people operate differently. Remember Pastor Sameh telling us stories about how the Iraqi people are arrested by Christians that say we forgive those that killed our family members and our loved ones. Christians are different. We respond differently, and that speaks to the world, because each of us are not only called to be disciples, but to go and make disciples. Are you a disciple maker? A discipler of nations? Now, your nation may just be the people around you, but they're, they're part of the nations. We are disciples. God has called us to go and disciple the nations. It's people that changes people. It's people that disciple people. 
It's people that respond to the call of God that says, yes, Lord, I will follow you. It's those people that bring others into their slipstream and open up possibilities for others to begin to follow Christ also. And right here in our community, we have such beautiful stories of people that have first experienced what the Lord Jesus means to them and how in response to his love for them and response to his kingship and his lordship in their lives, they've said, yes, Lord. And some of them have been challenged by God to start ministries and start organizations, public benefit organizations, nonprofit organizations, NGOs, to say, Lord, this is how I believe I'm going to impact the world through what you've done in my life. I want to share through this vehicle what you've done in me. I want to share with others. And it's our privilege as church, as community here, that through the faith promise, we, we support those stories. We come alongside those people and say, we recognize God has called you and gifted and anointed you for this task. And, and we want to come and support you and with our finances, with our love, with our, with our sense of community. We just come alongside them and we say, we're with you and believe in your story. And it's such a privilege to do that because it takes all of us together to see a city transformed. And so this morning we want to show you some stories of just some of our ministry leaders that will tell you just about their journey and just express their thankfulness to you for partnering with them and supporting them as they are going out there to just live what Jesus has done in their lives to share it with others. So the guys can play the, the ministry clip and just watch these amazing stories. And these are people, they're sitting here among us this morning that are with us. And we so celebrate what God is doing in them and through them. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Sam. Hi, I'm Chandra. Um, I work with Baraka Education Foundation um, in Mamalodi. We're focused on um, early childhood development and education um, in our township area called Lusaka. We have about 150 children um, and nine staff members from the community. Um, we're passionate about providing education that nurtures and empowers and giving every child a chance to have a good start. And we are so thankful for all of um, our partnership with Hatfield Christian Church. Um, and for the Faith Promise pledges, it has made such a difference. We've been able to have such breakthrough in so many areas as an organization. Um, Faith Promise helped us get electricity. We didn't have electricity for several years and um, the children were so excited when we turned the lights on and we've made such progress with our facilities because of people like you that are giving so generously, so faithfully, and it's made so much of a difference in us being able to have breakthrough in so many areas and we're so thankful. Viva's relationship with Hatfield Christian Church is like deep roots and it's very important for us because as a tree grows it can take more when the roots are really deep and also this, these roots are watered you know we, we, we feel the support we've got volunteers coming for Viva volunteers are just the VIPs for us Viva is like a modern mission station community ministry but we believe that is what Jesus would do he would get his feet dirty he would get his hands dirty he would walk barefoot in our streets and so that is what Viva Village is and yeah I think from the bottom of our hearts we we're thankful becoming a community ministry partner with Hatfield Church has really meant a lot to me over the years I 
And I don't mean just the physical uh, support that we've received, the, the connections with community people who've really helped us a lot, but also spiritually and emotionally being accepted by Hatfield has really helped us feel like we're a member of this family and that we belong here. And that has lifted, lifted us up so many times in the, during the hard times. So I just wanted to thank you all very much for that. This last year, Hatfield printed up the notebooks for our camps. Um, we have a curriculum where we are teaching the children that they are loved, awesome, unique, and valuable, and that there is a God who loves them and who has a plan for their life. The idea of RJC was actually birthed out of me doing a Foundations of Christian Thinking. I think it was the second one that was run back in 1993. In that process, in that season, the whole idea of restorative justice um, was developing and I got exposed to that it was like this big aha moment so that was the one uh, frame of reference platform that I think Hatfield gave me and the other has been the, the pastoral support so there have been some really difficult seasons and uh, the support of um, IMD um, during those times has been really amazing. Uh, my name's Hilton Hasty, and I run an organisation called Kingdom Revealed. Just somewhere along the way I just had, had this thing that I needed to do something and get out of get out of church and go and make a difference with whatever God had given me. And um, so I, I work, this is, this is where I work, and I run, a, I run a business, and it's, it's demanding, a lot of work. But at the same time, it uh, supports, supports me, supports my family, supports the ministry, um, and we've been able to do some great stuff. I take, I take my leave to go and do the ministry. I take weekends, public holidays. Um, I've taken all my leave, much to my wife's dismay and horror sometimes. But um, we've, we've been able to do great things. I'm just a, just a regular guy. I love Jesus. That's it. It's, often often people, people think, and we go to some of the places in the world, and we think people are expecting some deep revelation from God. But really all we're doing is carrying the love of Jesus. It's that simple. Um, when the church has an encounter with the love of God, everything changes. Everything should flow from, from a position of the love of God. When we fall in love with Jesus, he gets hold of your heart, he gets hold of your wallet, he gets hold of your time, he gets hold of your, your talent, your treasures, your resources, everything. Um, and you give it freely because you're in love with him. It's that simple. I know we have some of the ministry leaders here this morning, and we just want to celebrate these followers of Christ. So if you guys are here, won't you stand? They're all over the place, and we're just going to ask you to stand. All of the ministry leaders that we partner with, there's some way from that side right over to Sandra and them on this side. And let's just say thank you, Lord Jesus, for these followers of Christ. And we honor you for responding in the way that you knew the Lord was speaking to you and said, go and make followers of Christ by just taking your followership of Jesus into those places. And thank you for that. And it's our privilege to partner with you and to work with you. But it's not only people that respond by being followers of Christ through starting an NGO or you know, a special organization. Some of them just, God speaks to them about what they've already got their businesses or their workplace and to say, Lord, how can I use that and transform that into a kingdom story, part of the kingdom story? And how can this be a place where you will come and through 
just me and my story lived out in this context of my business or my, my workplace, come and, and tell others about how good and how great you are. And we have a family in our midst this morning that has a story to tell about this, and so I'm going to ask the beautiful Naidu family to come and join me on stage, and won't you say uh, just real good welcome, and to Mark and Saluemi and Sharissa and Caleb, that uh, they're going to just tell us a little bit about this. You got it, Mike, about their story and uh, just who they are. So whenever I make Liverpool references in the church, uh, he's generally one of those that I'm aiming it at. So they're going to stop winning one of these days. Um, hopefully not soon. <laughs> uh, hopefully not soon. Um, Mark, we know you're a, you're a family man, someone that just, you know, you on the ground, just living every day, doing your business and your work. We see you all over the church, volunteering in so many different places, not only you, but your whole family that's involved in so many different places. And uh, just want to know from you, what motivates you as a family, for you as a person in this journey that you're walking to just be a follower of the Lord Jesus? Just share with us a little bit. Uh, morning, church. Um, for, for me, knowing Jesus is just such an honor and such a privilege. And being a disciple is not just hearing his word, but being a doer of his word. And in our family, we hold in high esteem uh, community and servanthood. So um, we best put in the words of David where, me and my, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we do just that. Um, I serve in, and I lead by serving in the worship team, Salome in prophetic, uh, Sharissa in C, uh, C4G, and Caleb in the media. And possibly one of the things that I really want to stress is that Jesus for us is not a fashion, but a lifestyle. And we try to live that as a lifestyle and portray that uh, in our lives. Amen. Amen. I mean, to say a lifestyle means that it's pretty much all of your life. How do you manage that? But I mean, you're a busy family. You don't even stay close to the church. I always give them a hard time because they live quite far away. And, I, you know, and how do you manage that? Keep a business going, have a, you know, look after your kids, you know, that, that whole thing. How does that work? How do you manage that lifestyle thing? Um, so being a... Being a um a follower of Christ is, is for me being an ambassador uh, for Christ and, and demonstrating his goodness and his hope in every part of my life. Um, and to be honest, Pastor Louis, um, this news is just too good not to share. Um, in, our, uh, in our company, we, um, we set aside time for God. We ensure that before any machine is switched on on the first day of the week, and before any tool is, is picked up, we come together as a factory and we share God's word and we pray together. And we always put him first. And um, through that, we've actually four weeks ago had four of our staff members, uh, sorry, four weeks ago we've had 12 of our staff members actually commit their lives to Christ um, uh, and on. dedicate their lives to him. And that's also thanks to some of the, the, the pastors of HCC that have come and ministered uh, in our factory. Uh, further to that, we also believe that when we give a man a fish, he'll just eat for a day. But if we um, teach him to fish, he'll open up a chain of seafood restaurants. Amen. Come on. Come um, on. <laughs> 
So we open up our company to, um, to give back hope, like Jesus has given us. And we um, bring in people to teach them at no cost, uh, carpentry, joinery, upholstery, welding, spray painting, all of the things that we are busy with. And in all of that, Pastor Louis, we ensure that we impart the hope that Jesus Christ brings. Amen. Amen. What amazing. Yeah, come on. Before I let you guys go off stage, I wonder if each of you, it'll be so great to hear from each of you, just in one word, okay, two words, if you need two words, can just tell us what your family means to you and just, you know, what you value about your family. Thank you, Sulu. One word, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do, you just... (laughs) Amen, amen, amen. Uh, United. Man United. Manchester United. <laughs> yes! Godly. Godly. Amen. Why don't you give them a really good round of applause and thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. Isn't it amazing? I mean, I wish we had time to have more of you share because they're not the only ones. There's so many of you. Through your businesses, through your entrepreneurship that is just serving and making space and helping people. And uh, it's so awesome to see our people going out every day on a mission, going out there to serve their communities, to to help people, to share what Jesus has done for them with people around them. And we, we really just value that work outside of the church that you do as you go and make disciples. But we also as a community are so richly blessed because We also have people that make our work inside the church possible. This church can only work because of its volunteers. On every level in the life of this church, we have people that volunteer. Right to the very top of our leadership, we have people that are there as volunteers. That that everything here is based on just this idea that it's God's people. This is God's church. Not my church, not your church. It's God's church. And in that, it's our church together. In this church, we have so many people that serve in so many different ways. On a a weekly basis, we have life groups that run, people that open their homes to say to people, come and let's share Jesus together. And and they often help and support others. We have 131 life group leaders that every week open their homes to people. That's more than 1,000 people that go to different homes in our community because of volunteers that open up their homes. We have 100 shepherds People that both also may run life groups of their own, but also have oversight and support some of those life group leaders, or that support and and serve in other ministries within the church. On a Sunday, I don't know how many of you can guess, how many volunteers do we have that makes a Sunday like this possible? 353. You are so clever. (laughs) You are so clever. 353 volunteers. And then when we host other events like TCN conference or the GLS coming up or any other things that we serve in, we have 150 people that will come and some take off work and just come and volunteer and support to show people the love of Jesus. Because when we host others, it's for us to say, come into a place where you can feel how we treat you as as an example of the love 
of Jesus for you. And I think that's amazing. So can I ask any person that's here, and many of them aren't with us, they're outside with C4G or parking or whatever, but if you're a volunteer in the life of the church, won't you just quickly stand and we want to just applaud you also and just appreciate you. Anybody that volunteers anywhere. Yeah, come on now, life group leaders and just... We appreciate you so much. Our, we have all ages. Our youngest volunteers are 13 years old that serve in the life of the church. Caleb, that was on the stage here, he's run off to do his duty. Uh, he's one of our youngest volunteers. Tristan Darfel, whose mother is responsible for the volunteers. He's got no choice, so he has to volunteer. So uh, it's awesome that he's one of our volunteers. Hannah van der Merwe, who's Luke daughter, Luke and uh, Angelique's daughter, so parents also work in the church, so she also has no choice, she has to volunteer. They're some of our youngest volunteers. Then we, our oldest volunteers is Uncle Norman Buckley, he volunteers at C4G, he's 80 years old and still volunteers in the life of the church. And Gog Odia Mabena, she's also 80 years old and she serves in the baptism team. So isn't that amazing to have older volunteers? Uh, our longest serving volunteer, as far as we can determine, I, I'm trying to compete for that title because I volunteered for the first time in the church when I was about 14 years old, so that would be many, many years ago, um, you know, uh, as a, uh, with a... The, we still had an overhead projector in the tent those days. That was my first volunteer job. But I'll, I'll give it to Clive, who sits up there in the booth with the media guys, who runs the cameras, and he's been a volunteer for 35 years. Isn't that amazing? But we also keep on getting new people that volunteer. One of our new volunteers is Lucky, who two months ago volunteered, uh, became a volunteer in the Sunday hospitality team, and Stacy and Florence, who've just joined the visitors' tea area and serve the people, new people that come and drink tea after the service. So if you haven't volunteered yet, let the Lord speak to you. And then just a special shout out I want to give to Podesta Mahepa, who puts in leave from work to volunteer as one of the 150 volunteers that serve at events and conferences. She takes some of her leaves. Not only Hilton, that frustrates Gigi by taking his leave for ministry. We have people that do it right here. Isn't it amazing that we have so many people that serve in the life of the church? Actually, if you, uh, if you had to look at our membership, for instance, we have between... The people that have been members of this church for between zero and nine years, 2,358 people. So obviously that's our biggest group, a whole bunch of new people that has joined our church. And then it so spreads throughout, and you can see the, the graphs there, that we actually have two people that have been members of the church longer than 50 years. Isn't that remarkable? Longer than 50 years. Rosalie de Villiers has been a member of this church for 54 years. Wow, isn't that remarkable? I don't know if Rosalie's here this morning or hearing the message, but you know, that's such a great example. We, we have four people that have been members for 45 to 49 years old. The Brownings, Patrick and Elsa Browning, and then Harry and Winnie Kukumur. Harry and Winnie, I didn't see them here this morning. That used to be pastors. 45, more than 45 years. Wow, that's quite something. So 
We praise God for that. But not only do we have longevity in terms of people that are part of this church and while we're growing and adding new people the whole time, also in our staff component, it's quite remarkable to see how long people have been on staff at the church here. Um, if I take some of our teams that are between six and eight people in a team, like our executive team, our executive team has combined 145 years of service to, as employees of the church here. Isn't that remarkable? Our, our, uh, our ops team, which is also about eight people or so, have 109.5 years as part of the teams, and isn't it amazing? I serve on both of those teams, but officially, I've only been on staff for three years, so I don't really contribute much to the situation, although I'm also fighting that because I first became on staff at the church in 1990. So, uh, you know, but as the journeys go. Uh, our long service awards as the staff, we celebrate people that have long service awards. This year, the long service awards that we've given, if you combine them, that's 145 years between the people that received long service award and our hub facilitators, which is one of our key central teams also, 138 years of combined service. Isn't that amazing? How blessed and how rich we are as a community because people give themselves completely and don't just do this because it's a good job or because it's nice or it's seasonal, it's fashionable, as Mark said, but because of their life story, which is about Jesus. I think we should just applaud ourselves. <laughs> I'd love it if somebody else could, but you know, we, we are here. So it's amazing to share these stories. And this is all part of what I believe we are learning and growing in, in what it means to live integrated lives as followers of the Lord Jesus. I want to take you to a nice portion of Scripture. I say nice because it's very challenging. In Luke 9, um, Jesus is speaking to, again, a group of people about what it means to be followers of Christ. What does it mean to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, to be a kingdom person? And uh, he actually has an interaction with three types of people that ask him, and, and I believe his answers are three specific answers that we need to understand and allow the Lord to help us see in our time. So let me read Luke 9 with you. I think it's from verse 62. My notes is just, the guy's got it up. 57 to 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. First let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In all three of these cases, the response of Jesus to people that seem to be willing to be followers of his is very challenging. He's sort of clarifying for them what it means to be a follower. They all had a picture in mind, and then Jesus says, listen, before you agree, there's some T's and C's that apply. And I, unlike the companies in the world that will make the T's and C's really small and you can't see them, let me tell you the T's and C's bold up front, because I don't want you to, to not be able to do this. There's some things that you need to understand about what it means to be a complete follower of Christ. I want to take this portion of Scripture and sort of 
overlay it over our key scripture for this year, Mark 8, or for this term and last term of Mark 8, verse 34. If you want to follow me, what, is, what are the three things that Jesus said? If we want to follow him, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow him. I think Jesus is saying the same thing as he did in that situation, just using different words. The three things that Jesus says here to people is, first of all, he speaks to the situation where a guy comes to him and says, Lord, I want to follow you. I mean, he, this is a guy who was in a, in a church meeting. The music was playing. The aircon was kind, just cool. Life was wonderful. The Spirit of God was moving. The pastor preached a moving message. And he came and knelt out in the front and said, I want to follow you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, let me just clarify a few things for you. Let me just make sure you understand what you're saying, what you're saying if you say, I follow you. Because while it may be nice here to say, I will follow you, reality is going to hit tomorrow. And part of the reality you have to understand if you follow me, Jesus says, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to put his head. What's Jesus saying when he says that? He's literally saying to the guy, I don't have a home to go to tonight. If you're following me, you're following a guy that's homeless. You're following a guy that doesn't own his own home, that doesn't own a piece of property, that does not know where he's going to sleep tonight necessarily, that does not know, how, you know where his comfort and security is going to come from. You sure you want to follow me, Jesus says. So if you come to Jesus and you say, Lord, I want to follow you, Jesus is going to say, hang on. Let me just make sure you understand. Following me is following a guy whose first priority is not security, comfort, and safety. Are you okay with that? Such is what Jesus says to this guy. So let us personalize it. Here Jesus says to you, if you say, I'm a follower of Christ, do you understand you're following a guy whose commitment to comfort, security, stability, is not his first priority. Do you understand that? I mean, what is Jesus saying? Is he saying that Christians shouldn't own property? Is that what Jesus is saying? Is he saying, I don't own property, you shouldn't own property? Is that what Jesus is saying? How many of you own your own homes? Come on, put up your hand if you own your own homes. Have you been blessed by God? Can we, can we trust God that one day when I ask that question, every single person in this room will put up their hand and say, I own my own home. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? So we, I don't think we think Jesus says you can't own your own home. I know, just give me a moment here. The whole thing of land in our nation is very, very controversial at the moment. Is Jesus saying here to Christians in South Africa in 2018, you shouldn't own your own land. If you want to be a Christian, give up your land. Is that what Jesus is saying? No. Jesus and the scripture encourages ownership of land. He wants us to own land. But what Jesus is saying is, the ownership of land is not my first priority. My life is not defined by that. My life, Jesus says, is defined by being the Son of God that does the will of my Father. And Jesus is saying, in my case, to do the will of my Father, I, I shouldn't own anything. I've got a short space of time, and I'm on the road all day long. It makes no sense for me. But the point is, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We cannot make ownership of ground, ownership of land, 
definitive in our lives as believers, first of all. Are there things in terms of this world, in terms of equality? Yes. But as Christians, we approach that from the base of saying, all land belongs to God, and my life belongs to God. Lord, let your will be done. That is a secondary issue for us. And if you don't own, then pray and say, Lord, I, I want to own land. But ultimately, I want to own that land, not for my purposes, but for your purposes, Lord. If I own land, thank you, Lord, that I own land, but let that land not be for my purposes or for my people, but for your purposes. We sit in a nation where we have people from every perspective, Christians in our nation, from people that own lots of land to people that own no land, all believers. What brings us together is not our status in that space, but it's coming together and saying, it belongs to you, Lord Jesus. Everything belongs to you. So for us that own land, we come with open hands and say, Lord, take my land. It's yours. I give it to you. Use it the way you want me to use it. For those of us that don't own, say, Lord, take my lack of ownership of land and use that for your purposes. I want to serve you in that. I trust you, Lord. I trust you that in our nation there would be fairness, there would be justice, there would be equality. We pray for a time in our nation that everybody that wants to can own land, we pray, Lord, that you would deal with things like greed and, and injustice, that you would deal with the, uh, the wrongs of the past, and we can pray and, and, and be involved and engaged in all of those things and talk about it and wrestle with it as a community, but we can do it because we all come together and say it. Ultimately, it all belongs to Jesus. Amen? Is that a bit challenging? I know there's lots to say about this, but, and I'm not trying to answer all the questions. I'm just saying, for us as believers, we stand on that foundation. Everything belongs to the Lord. It's about Him first. My comfort, my security, my future belongs to Him. Belongs to Him. So I deal with it accordingly. I think that's what Jesus was saying to us. So does that have relevance for us in 2018 in South Africa? Very much so. Jesus says, I don't have a place to call home. If you want to follow me, understand that. My priority is to do the will of my Father. That's what I put first. The second thing which I would put in the category of take up your cross is the, the guy that Jesus says, follow me. And then he says, listen, Jesus, I want to follow you, but my dad is getting on in years. He's going to die soon. Just give me a couple of, just perhaps a year. I don't know how long it's going to take, but probably not more than a year. Let me go bury my father and then I'll follow you. And then Jesus gives him this great response. He says, let the dead go bury the dead. You go, oops. How can Jesus say that? Now, I think we need to understand in the context of the time, possibly what Jesus is saying. It could be that this person that said this to Jesus was the oldest brother in the family. And culturally, how it worked is it was the job of the oldest brother to take care of the parents to make sure they get buried properly. And in that, then the business of the family, often their families own businesses, and that's how they survived and lived. The business would then be passed over to the second, to the oldest son, and so the continuation of their lineage and their work as a family would continue, and so they would be looked after. So it was this guy was saying, Lord, I have responsibilities. I can't just get up and follow you. I have responsibilities, things to take care of. Other people depend on me. I can't just give up. 
So Jesus says to him, let the dead go bury the dead. Now the word dead there in the scripture often means, and is translated, let me just read it so I'd say it correctly. The Jews use the word dead often to express indifference towards a thing or to express that something has no influence over us. So when Jesus says to the guy, let the dead bury the dead, he's saying, let the indifferent to the kingdom go and carry on with life as normal. But if you want to be a follower of mine, you need to recognize that something else has become your chief responsibility, not just the things of this world. So what is Jesus saying? Is he saying, should I say to you today, according to that scripture, every one of you must quit your job tomorrow and follow Jesus. Don't worry about your I know some of you would love it if I said that. Some of you don't like your jobs. Okay, let me, let me phrase it differently. What if I had to say to you, you have to give up your income? How many of you would love to do that tomorrow? Say, I'm going to stop any form of possible income for now and the future. I'm going to give up on it. I'm not going to have responsibility anymore. I'm just going to live for Jesus. I'm going to pray all day long, read the Bible. I'm going to walk the streets looking like a vagabond. Because soon you will. And just share Jesus with people. The birds are going to come and feed me. Water will bubble forth out of the ground. Life is going to be wonderful. I'm just going to follow Jesus. Is that what he's saying to us? No. He's again just saying, your first responsibility is the kingdom of God. What you do to take care of your other responsibilities needs to fit into that responsibility. Everything you do becomes united in the fact that it's part of the kingdom. If it is not, you must get rid of it. Everything, all our responsibilities are kingdom responsibilities. I'm a father. I have children. I have a family. I have responsibilities. I have parents that are getting older. I have all these responsibilities. And I have to work and earn a living and get an income. But I can do that as part of my kingdom story. Let's say, for instance, I have to take quite a big chunk of money at the moment because I've got one child at varsity and another one going to varsity next year. I'm so thankful that they can do that. Praise God. But it costs me. Now, is that a kingdom activity? To pay kingdom money? Because ultimately, all my money, if I understand this correctly, belongs to God. Hey, I give a tithe. As a family, we tithe. I give 10% of my income to the Lord every month. My first reach, that's the first 10%, not the 10% left over that could actually be 1%. You know, amen? It's the first thing that comes off our salary, tithe. When I give my tithe, what am I saying to the Lord? Lord, I give you my first fruits. Remember, I spoke about this before. Because my first fruit says, if I give you this 10%, it's my proclamation that the whole 100% belongs to you. And not only am I giving you this 10%, but how I spend the rest of the money that I have is all going to be for the sake of your kingdom. That's what the tithe means. Now, you can make it a law, or you can just make it good, common practice in understanding how the covenants of the kingdom work. I believe in that. But everything I have belongs to the Lord. So if I take money, God's money, that he's entrusted to me to steward, and I steward it towards the direction of paying for my children's studies, is that servicing the kingdom? You know, I think so. You know why? Because as a family, 
We've journeyed with our children, we've discipled them, and we've sat with each of them and we've prayed. What is it that God wants you to study? What is God's plan for your life? And so when they go and study, they're not saying, I'm studying this because it'll give me the best job or the best money or the best future. Some of them are choosing things that I'm going, I don't know how are you going to be supportive? How are you going to look after me in my old age when you do that? One of them wants to become a writer and I'm going, oh no, oh no. They're not choosing that based on their needs or their responsibilities, but choosing it based on, this is what I believe God wants me to do, how I will serve the kingdom best through my vocation. Therefore, I'm sowing kingdom seed. Is that okay? You and I have responsibilities, but our responsibilities fold into, Lord, what is your kingdom? The scripture says in Acts, every one of us live where God has apportioned for us to live. Every one of us lives in the time that God has apportioned for us. Where I trust that you're not living in Pretoria because of any other reason than because that's where God wants me to live firstly. Amen? Because that's where God wants me to serve His kingdom, and that's how I'm going to serve His kingdom. Third one, which I put in the category of follow me. The guy comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, you know, I want to follow you. And then Jesus answers and says, if you put your hand to the plow, but then don't follow through, but turn back, you're not fit for the kingdom. This thing of serving the kingdom is not a seasonal thing. It's not something you do for a period of time. It's something that covers all of your life. You don't start it at a certain point when you're ready, and you can never finish it. You cannot retire from kingdom service. You do it every season every day. How many of you know that there's this dreadful day coming our way called one day or someday? I call it a dreadful day because so many of us say, someday I'm going to do this. You better pray that someday never happens because that day is going to kill you. You've got so much that you've got to get done on that day. Do you know that someday in the kingdom of God doesn't exist, but every day exists? Every day exists. We do this, we say, one day or someday when my children are old enough, I'll serve God. You know, when, 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 I've, when they're not in nappies anymore, I'll serve the Lord. I'll follow you, Jesus. Okay, Lord, when they're in school, I'll follow you. Okay, Lord, when they're finished with school, I'll follow you. Okay, Lord, when, they, when they've gone to study, I'll follow you. Okay, Lord, once they're married, I'll follow you. Okay, Lord, once my grandchildren are, you know, out of nappies, I'll follow you. We can always say this someday. But Jesus says, you put your hand to the plow today and you never let go. Every day you are following me. Every day. I want to put this word before you and I know it's a challenging word and I, I try to be a bit more apostolic this morning and not so much pastoral. To say, I can't tell you what this, how you do this. My job as the preacher here today is to say, this is what the Word of God says. This is what we understand the Word of God says. Do you understand it? Do you recognize it? Now you need to go and say, Lord, how do I respond to your Word? How do I follow you? In, so that my comforts, my, my security is in your hands. It's about you. So that my responsibilities don't hold me away from you but it's about you. So that I do this every day of my life.
You need to pray and ask the Lord to do that. Because we are followers of Christ. And as one of the guys on the, on the screen said, when we give our lives to Jesus, we give him everything, our wallets included. And so in our faith promise season, as part of our followership of Jesus, we give you an opportunity to partner with us, to, to partner with people that are working to bring the kingdom of God. Whether it's here, we had the missionaries with us all over the world. So we've done it the last two weeks, and we're going to shortly, quickly do it today again. And we're not going to take as long time as we did in the past. But on every second chair, you would have found a card like this. If you haven't yet filled in your faith promise pledge, I would love you to do it today. Please remember that our pledge for this time is a 10-month pledge from now till August because we're changing our faith promise season, as we said. We normally did it in October, but we're bringing it two months earlier to August. So therefore, it's a 10-month pledge. We're trusting the Lord for just over 4 million rand to come in in the pledge. Right now, so far, what you have pledged is 3.3 million. Just our youth pledged over 80,000 rand towards the our, our, our young adults, over 100,000 rand. Isn't that amazing? Come on, let's applaud that. And that's just so awesome. So we're trusting the Lord together as a community for about another 700, just over 700,000. That we need to be able to do the things that we believe God has called us to do. So if you haven't yet filled in this card, we need you to pray and trust the Lord and ask the Lord. I'm not telling you what you must do or that you must do it. All I ask of you is pray. Lord, do I need to participate in the faith promise? Perhaps you've done it for years and you thought, it's tough, I'm not going to. Please make sure you prayed about that. Perhaps you've never done it. All I can say is please pray about it. So can we right now as we end this, come to the end of the service, just pray for a moment. Lord, we thank you that we are followers of Christ. Not someday, not one day, but every day. That what we own, what we possess, what we have belongs to you, Lord. All our responsibilities is about your kingdom, Father. And today we want to come as your children and say, Lord, speak to us. If there's something you want to trust me, me to trust for so that I can give towards ministries and missions, then Lord, speak to me. Just show me, Lord. This is that what I need to trust you for, for what I can promise from a place of faith. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you heard the Lord say something to you today and you haven't filled in the card, on the front of the card you'll see a place where you need to put in your details. Please fill that in as carefully as you can. On the back of the card, you'll see how you can give. There's four ways that you can give. You choose which way you do your ticket, whether you do debit order, internet, credit card, or check and cash, and then you fill in the form. How you fill it in is in every one of those sections, there's these little blocks that says, I pledge, so you give the total amount that you believe you must give over so many months, 10 months, and that means so much per month. And you fill that in into every one of those or the appropriate block where you, how you want to give. So that we can capture the pledge. If you would like us to contact you to help you with the pledge, there's a number that you can SMS. Can you put up the number, Sam? There's a number that you can SMS. You put your name, the amount you want to pledge, the total amount, 
and then the per month or once off, depending on what that is. If, so if your total amount is 2,000 rand, but you're going to give it once off, you put 2,000. If it's 2,000 over 10 months, you put 200 in the second. So your name, the total amount, and the monthly amount, and you send it to that number, 08350111160, and then we will be contacting you. So if you can fill in that card, and then have you, as you filled it in there, plastic containers at the edge of the rows. We're going to send them around. Our teams, our volunteers will just quickly come and walk around. Make sure you put it in a container um, and just take a moment to fill in that card. I don't want to, I know our time's finished, but this is very important to give you the moment to do that. We want to live integrated lives. We want to live lives for Jesus where Whenever you see us, you see Jesus. Whether it's at home, whether it's at church, whether it's in the mall, whether it's at the gym, for those of you that persecute yourself. <laughs> whether it's at work, on holiday, wherever it is, we are Jesus' people. Please pass the containers around. Chris, I don't know that song we sang, the last song we sang with the offering time. It felt like that's the song we need. Can we do that song as we end? I heard a couple of people say, more. So let's do that song. I want to thank you for being such an amazing community of people. It's such a privilege to be part of this community. Amen. You are a special people. And we just love and appreciate you so much. Can, if you finish, just... Make sure that if you're not finished, continue to write. We're going to stand and we're going to sing this last song together and then you are released to go. But please remember, if you need prayer this morning, come forward and we're going to pray for you after the service. And just if you want to just talk to one of us, one of our pastors, our elders, our team of people, our prayer ministry will be here. They'll pray for you, just spend a bit of moment with you. Please don't make, your, make use of that opportunity. We've got people being baptized in the functions hall. Uh, as we always do. It may be that today you say, I want to become a follower of Christ. If you come forward and just say that to the person praying for you, they will help you and, and put you on the path of what it means and how we can support you in being a follower of Christ. So if you want to be a follower of Christ, don't just leave and say it to yourself. Come say it to somebody else. That's very important that you do that. You come and say it to somebody else, one of our team, and they will just help you. Because if you just say it to yourself, it may be quickly that you forget. But say it to somebody else. Confess it with your mouth. That which you believe in your heart. Can we stand together and just let's sing this song with our whole heart. And just proclaim who God is. His greatness. His, His awesomeness. And the Lord bless you. And have a great week. And serve Him wherever you go. And be a follower of Christ every day. Thank you, Chris.